The Construction Employers Podcast, your connection to what's happening in the Northeast Ohio construction industry. Brought to you by the Construction Employers Association. Hello, my name is Glenn Chumate. I'm the host for today's Construction Employers Association weekly podcast. Our podcasts are meant to discuss and inform the construction industry of important aspects which we should be aware and be informed. Today's guest is Christina Nero. Christina is a recent partner, 2019 partner at Franz Ward Law Firm here in Cleveland, Ohio. And she is a uh, active member. Her firm is very active and we appreciate Franz Ward's um, involvement, participation, and uh, really helping us try to educate and advance our industry and ensure that employers and employees uh, remain legally safe. And um, just like to welcome you today, Christina. Appreciate appreciate it, Glenn. All right. So from a background standpoint, um, tell us how you got into law, where you're from, and you know, sort of some background on Christina. Sure. I actually started working for a prosecutor after I graduated uh, from high school, kind of during the summer after high school. I was an active mock trial participant, um, which I kind of continued through law school, kind of always knew I wanted to be an attorney, but I ended up starting my career on the plaintiff side, representing employees as a civil rights attorney. Five years ago, I joined uh, Franz Ward on the employer side, so I have an interesting kind of dual perspective when I'm counseling employers, um, which I really enjoy and feels like gives me a, a kind of a balanced um, way to advise employers on, on your day-to-day issues. Um, so I, I do just that. I advise employers, revise handbooks, um, talk you through you know termination and disciplinary processes. I also do a lot of OSHA work, workplace investigations, and medical marijuana uh, is at the top of the request list lately <laughs> sure, <laughs> for sure. podcasts and presentations because it is so rapid, uh, you know, rapidly developing industry. Well, that was one of uh, the motivations, I think, to um, you provided uh, some information to a group of employers the other week at a human resources forum. And uh, the feedback from those in attendance that day was very uh, positive. It was good information they needed to know. And we felt as though we wanted more listeners to hear and understand um, that perspective and insight. And so before we delve too far into it, Tell us a little bit more about where you went to school and what your practice area is at uh, Franz Ward. I believe you're in labor and employment. I am. I was undergrad at Denison University, went to law school at Case Western Reserve. I've uh, been practicing for, uh, it'll be coming up on nine years now. I am uh, currently management side, so I advise uh, employers on your day-to-day employment issues. I walk you through your OSHA administrative processes, EEOC, OCRC uh, administrative processes as well. And um, as I said, your day-to-day employment counseling, pick up the phone. I want to fire X employee today. Okay. You know, let's talk through that process. So there are a lot of um, things that employers need to know, I would surmise, around employment law today. There are. And, and employment laws touch not only your, you know, big companies, but they also, you know, also affect your your mid to small size companies can be hard um, for both, you know, spectrum, both ends of the spectrum. When you're a small employer, 
Um, you don't necessarily have the resources to dedicate to your employment issues, and you don't know what you don't know. Um, so compliance can be hard from that standpoint. But if you're a larger employer with thousands uh, or at least hundreds of employees managing compliance with you know the, the myriad of employment laws and statutes can be equally as difficult. So if you started on, I guess, the prosecutorial side, and you're now kind of on the employer management side, what, what are the major differences for you in your practice? I enjoy the part, I'll answer it this way. The part that I enjoy about being on the employer side is that I get to build relationships with employers. I get to know managers, uh, executive management. I get to understand the culture. Uh, I develop relationships with decision makers and supervisors. And it really um, is rewarding to me to see um, change happen before litig- before litigation even results. That's that's the the good part about my job is that I'm counseling and, and helping employers and through them employees um, before it even ends up, you know, getting to a point where where litigation is contemplated. Okay. So <clears throat> there was a uh, I think our topic the other week was around cannabis laws that are impacting employers. And there's also a part of that that obviously employees need to be <laughs> mindful of and considerate of, but it's, and that feels like, sounds like, but certainly there's been a lot more awareness and discussion about cannabis and medical marijuana and recreational marijuana uh, throughout the world. And Canada early this year, I think made it recreational and a number of states in the U.S. have, have varying laws of medical to recreational. So what, tell us about trends you've seen in the last few years. I mean, it's been a rapid change. Yeah, it's even it's even been less time than that. Actually, um, the the trend is clearly towards legalization or at a minimum decriminalization of use. Um, we're seeing some states go straight to recreational. Uh, we're seeing some states take incremental steps, going first to medical marijuana, and then you know a couple of years later, following with. Uh, recre- legaliz- legalization of recreational marijuana, uh, but the trend is certainly to decriminalize and uh, legalize. And I think the, unfortunately, the, the the driver of all of that is not only public opinion and acceptance of of marijuana, but also uh, there's the business aspect, right? It's a huge money maker. Ford it, Forbes anticipates that by 2020, it's going to be a 22 billion dollar industry. Wow. Um, so where the money goes, <laughs> the 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 legislation and and a lot of the push comes as well. So clearly, the trend is towards some form of legal acceptance of either recreational or medical marijuana. So earlier, I believe earlier this year, the federal government and I don't know what the right term is, but declassified or could you describe what that process was? Or you're, what talking, that meant? you're talking about hemp? Yes. The 2018 farm bill was passed this year, which allows the commercial or the industrial processing and, and sale of hemp. Uh, the cannabis plant has two derivatives, marijuana and then this other component, which is, which is non-intoxicating marijuana, which contains the element THC is generally considered to be the intoxicator. And then there's this other prong of, of the plant, which is traditionally used to make cement, paper, clothes. That hemp portion is what mm-hmm. has been made legal, at least on a federal level. 
marijuana on a federal level remains illegal. So now, you know, we see even Martha Stewart is jumping on the bandwagon with her with her CBD or her hemp component um, in her latest pet product line that uh, has begun to be this kind of additional prong, this additional moneymaker that we're now seeing, you know, in your grocery stores, frankly, CBD oil is everywhere. A few weeks ago, watching 60 Minutes on Sunday afternoon, there was a uh, interesting story about um, uh, CBD products and whether or not it needed to be regulated and whether it was the miracle cure. And, you know, you talk about a $22 billion potential industry, right? right? That means a lot of entrepreneurially minded business people are probably looking to see how they can, in, you know, be involved in that segment of the economy in that industry. So talk about, I guess, what's required in terms of um, legal distribution or sale of medical marijuana, CBD products. And there's a there's obviously a federal and there's a state. And I don't know if this, the local level has any restrictions or any ways to be involved in the uh, legislative part of this. So as I mentioned, uh, marijuana is still illegal at a federal level. Um, the medical marijuana program in Ohio is actually fairly regulated um, and and actually fairly employer friendly. In order to use medical marijuana in Ohio, uh, a doctor has to have an ongoing patient relationship with an individual. Um, the individual has to have an in-person exam with the physician, and then the physician has to recommend. Um, the individual uh, for a card based on a list of 21 qualifying conditions. And it has to be one of those 21 qualifying conditions. And then the uh, individual applies for a marijuana card and then upon receipt of the card is only entitled to a 90-day supply uh, of marijuana from one of the list of approved uh, dispensaries in Ohio. Um, the recreational use of marijuana we anticipate to be coming very soon in Ohio. We're watching Ohio, Florida, Arizona, a couple of other states like New York and New Jersey um, that have kind of dipped their toe into medical and and, and are are likely to follow with uh, recreational uh, marijuana use. Um, Hemp, Again, being the the non or the CBD being the non intoxicating um, kind of derivative of the cannabis plant is now uh, legal as long as it's being farmed for an industrial purpose. So the ability for manufacturers to come up with oils and different kinds of products containing uh, CBD, like I mentioned, is this additional um, source of revenue. The The issue with medical marijuana in Ohio, um, as you mentioned, it's going to be a huge moneymaker. But the issue in Ohio and frankly elsewhere is that the science really hasn't caught up yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the difficulties that I'm seeing with my clients and employers in general is that the testing, uh, the ability to test and pinpoint uh, the time of use, uh, the level of intoxication um, isn't widespread yet. And, and while we're waiting for the science to catch up, you know, business keeps, just keeps on going. So the construction industry, primarily in which, you know, CEA's members are involved, 
typically is what we consider a drug-free workplace, drug-free employer. So is it as simple as a member having a policy or program which just says, um, you know, our employees can't, you know, uh, uh, have any um, drugs in their system at the time of work? So the good news for employers in Ohio, at least, is that Ohio's medical marijuana law allows employers to continue using their drug-free workplace policies. Um, You can still discipline and terminate employees if they pop a positive for medical marijuana on a drug test. You can still random drug test, uh, which isn't available now in, in, um, you know, various other states at all or absent uh, State Department of Labor approval. Employers can not hire an individual for popping a positive on a medical marijuana test. You still get your rebuttable presumption under workers' comp. Um, You're you're still okay under uh, unemployment compensation if the reason for termination was a result of a positive marijuana test. So you're in good shape in Ohio from a a drug-free workplace policy standpoint. However, there are other considerations that you have to um, be cognizant of when you're making these decisions. Medical marijuana may be off the table, but the 21 qualifying conditions for which individuals in Ohio can have a medical marijuana card are, you know, if not all, most of them qualify as disabilities under both federal law and state law. So while you can, yes, discipline an employee for for a medical marijuana use, are you also as an employer required to accommodate an underlying disability for which that individual or that employee is using the medical marijuana in the first place? That's one of the rubs that I'm seeing um, with our clients, at least. If you're a federal contract, you've got a federal contract, Yes. um, you still have to abide by federal law, which says marijuana is a Schedule I drug and illegal and you know, you, you, you better have a drug-free workplace policy. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to lose your current contract and any, any hope of any future contracts. Okay. And have you had a lot of cases or a lot of employers that have had challenges with the legal policies? The issues that I'm seeing for uh, at least Ohio employers relate to uh, drug tests where an applicant comes in and, and, and it might not even get to a drug test. They say right off the bat, listen, I'm applying for this job. I just want to let you know I'm not going to pass a drug test because I'm a medical marijuana card holder. By telling you as the employer that they're a medical marijuana card holder, are they telling you that they have a disability that might need to be accommodated? That That's one of the most frequent areas where I get questions from my clients. And, and it's an entirely different ball of wax if you're a multi-state employer. Um, if you are in a state that requires employers to accommodate medical marijuana use, if you are in a state that has specific anti-discrimination provisions for medical marijuana cardholders. Um, so if you're one of these multi-state employers, you're mm-hmm. going to have to be looking very carefully at individual state laws that are likely going to be inconsistent. So where's Ohio, right? I mean, in the sequence of our U.S., um, there's, I don't know if you know how many states currently have um, recreational and how many states might have medical 
Yeah, it's it's 33 um, and 11 plus DC uh, medical to, to recreational. Um, some of our neighboring states in particular, Michigan is, is recreational and has been um, West Virginia, Pennsylvania. Um, you know, so Ohio is, like I said, fortunately, very employer friendly. The statute was drafted um, in such a way that it doesn't even allow for employees to have a private right of action, the ability mm. to file a civil lawsuit against an employer if they violate it. So Ohio is um, employer friendly, but I do anticipate probably recreational mar- marijuana coming to Ohio, at least by the 2020 election. That is, like I said, that's the trend, the way things are going. Sure. So 33 states allow recreational? Medical. Medical. Plus and, DC. Plus DC. And then 11 states Plus DC. Plus DC. Okay. All right. And, you know, when I, I think about the casino legislation in, in our country, and it seems like Ohio was kind of late to the mm-hmm. legalization of casinos, and the medical marijuana laws uh, were passed in Ohio a few years ago, and I know that it seemed like there was a prolonged rollout and even opening of both dispensaries and um uh, cultivation sites, right? Um, Certifications have been delayed, and we're just we're just now, right in the last couple of months, seeing things getting started. And was that administratively for Ohio to kind of get its processes together, or was there some other, to your knowledge, reason for the the long delays? Yeah, there. I mean, there are going to be hiccups um, in every industry. The delay in the certification process, um, you know, kind of had a, a chain reaction. It, it carries from the uh, physicians all the way to the dispensaries, right? One therefore affects the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as Ohio being behind the eight ball on, on marijuana legislation, I think Ohio um, did right by getting in front of the issue and passing legislation. A lot of other states have kind of been playing catch up. Um, they've had to deal with laws that became uh, laws that got on the books because of ballot initiatives, mm-hmm. laws that weren't drafted by legislatures that didn't um, consider employment issues or, or other issues and, and have kind of left the courts to struggle with those issues. So Ohio, at least with respect to medical marijuana was, was in front of it and, and, you know, has a fairly detailed and, and actually quite rigorous regulatory process. Are you aware of synthetic urine? Fake urine? Um, you know, it it has existed um, previously. I expect it to be, um, you know, as in vogue now as it was previously. Um, sure. uh, actually, a lot of construction clients that we're dealing with are going to oral fluid. Okay. Um, the issue with urine sampling, um, it, well, actually, there are multiple issues with urine sampling, but when you're on a job site, either sending an employee 30 minutes away to a testing site or doing an on-site urine sample with respect to privacy issues can get complicated, especially if you have to witness the specimen. It's not the right temperature. There's not enough of it. Uh, So oral fluid testing is, while more expensive, you know, a lot less invasive. And um, the the initial concerns regarding accuracy have kind of been alleviated. Um, There are at least a couple of ORD fluid testing kits that have been FDA approved. Sure. Um, So, you know, for convenience and and the immediacy kind of of the result, I see a lot of construction um, companies going that way. 
Yeah, and I think we are hearing at CEA uh, more about that. So let me just um, give a update for those who may be joining late. But today's guest is Christina Nero. She's a partner with Franz Ward uh, Law Firm here. And we're talking about cannabis laws and its impact upon uh, the construction industry and primarily from a employer perspective and standpoint. So earlier this year, I believe CEA and its uh, lobbyists have been working with legislators in the state house to actually uh, put a bill that bans the use of synthetic urine. Um, we are hopeful that that uh, will um, be passed. I mean, it seems like it's a kind of a no brainer if your policy, um, you know, is basically to allow for employment test and drug test and, you know, for individuals to try to circumvent, you know, the outcome and really create unsafe work areas for themselves and for others uh, is, is not a positive thing. So just it's why I kind of asked the question and wanted to uh, add some perspective for our listeners about uh, use of synthetic or fake urine. Um, in terms of, um, I guess, this, your education around this topic, right? And I mean, what, what are there national forums or how, how can employers learn more about the things that they need to be doing to be safe and to understand what their responsibilities and or policies they need to have in place. Is there, is there a, a good place to go or is there a uh, medical marijuana.ohio.gov is a great resource for Ohio employers. At least um, it is updated. I have to say pretty regularly, at least weekly, okay. all kinds of good statistics, FAQs, um, you know, about where we are, um, from, from a business standpoint and from a regulatory standpoint in Ohio. But if you're an employer and you've got a question about a legal issue, um, you know, not to be self-serving, but, um, talking to your employment counsel is going to be key and, and knowing all of the different, uh, factors that you have to consider. It, it might not always be as simple as we've got a drug-free workplace policy and therefore we're fine. Um, like I said, the, the Americans with Disabilities Act comes plays in as well. Um, you've also have OSHA considerations. Um, you want to be making decisions that are not only going to keep you in legal compliance, but are also going to be smart business decisions. Okay. So maybe as a segue, Franz Ward, describe Franz Ward's business practice areas and some of the uh, types of services which you provide. We consider ourselves a full-service law firm. Um, we just recently uh, acquired another law firm, so we've really boasted our, our business law practice. Uh, we now have tax estate planning, um, but our, our powerhouses are construction, um, business litigation, and, of course, uh, labor and employment. We're a, a Tier 1 ranked chambers um, law firm with respect to labor and employment matters, both traditional and, and employment litigation. Um, and we do soup to nuts on employment and labor issues. Um, the the relationships that we have built uh, with some of our clients over you know twenty year period kind of is testament to the the hands on uh, personal attention that we give our clients, um, not only in Ohio really, but on a nationwide basis. Okay, so you also have an OSHA thirty. Is that correct? I do. All right. Is it time to get it refreshed or renewal? You need an eight-hour refresher? You want to go through, take it again? I'd love CEA? to. I'd love to come back to CEA. <laughs> We'd love to have you. Um, so we spent a lot of time talking about, obviously, the uh, cannabis laws and its impact. But what, tell us any, anything about safety that you know readily uh, you'd want to share or something that's an area of 
focus for you? It is. Um, you know, the, the beryllium standards are, are starting to be finalized right now. Uh, I'm drafting an article on the, the different weighting uh, standards that have recently been published. Um, so you, all of our listeners uh, who are listening in can be sure to subscribe to the Franz Ward Labor and Employment blog and, and see the latest on, on the different weighting standards. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to um, do the OSHA work because it gets me out to so many varying industries, whether it's plastics or metals, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting in and sometimes uncovering issues, like I said, that people don't know because they don't know. Um, OSHA is, um, you know, a, an area that continues to evolve as well. And, um, you know, if you're in a safety sensitive industry like construction, um, I just saw an article recently posted OSHA is now using drones yes. uh, to conduct surveillance. Um, you know, it is like medical marijuana. Um, it involves penalty, monetary penalties. Um, so it's not going away anytime soon. So Franz Ward, F-A-R-N-T-Z, Ward, W-A-R-D, dot com. And um, we will put that in the uh, notes for this actual webinar program, and it'll be on our uh, website as well. Um, so maybe, Christina, in, in closing, are there two or three important need-to-knows or uh, considerations that you'd want to share with employers on uh, medical marijuana safety and or employment in law the uh the two takeaways i'll give you are be cognizant of your frontline supervisors i tell my clients frontline supervisors are your biggest liability and your biggest asset the training that you give them cannot be underemphasized, and that's particularly crucial with respect to medical marijuana now because the science hasn't caught up, because you don't maybe necessarily have a test that can pinpoint with accuracy whether somebody is intoxicated and when they last smoked marijuana. So your frontline supervisors and your root cause analysis and your post-incident investigations, your witness statements, Mm. are going to be even more crucial now than they were previously. Um, So that, again, involves training your supervisors and and following your your normal practices. I I will also say, yes, your drug-free workplace policy can stay, uh, but that's not the end of the discussion. Right. My second takeaway would be, you know, make sure that you're still considering whether there are other employment issues, whether that that is, you know, disabilities in the Americans with Disabilities Act or otherwise that are going to be playing into your your employment related decisions. It's not necessarily just as simple as we have a drug free workplace policy, period, paragraph. Well, thank you. Thank you. And we'd hope that, uh, you know, listeners who have uh, uh, desire to maybe learn more. We'll certainly go to your website. And what was the state of Ohio website again? That's a resource. Medicalmarijuana.ohio.gov. Okay. Sounds like a good one. And uh, any parting comments that uh, you have or you want to share? I just appreciate everybody's attention and uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Well, thank you again, Christina Nero from uh, Franz Ward. And we're glad to have you on uh, as the guest on CEA's uh, Employment uh, Weekly Podcast. Likewise, Glenn. Thank you for listening. To find more information about the discussion in this or prior episodes, be sure to check the episode notes section in your podcast app. Get notified and automatically download the latest episode by subscribing to the Construction Employers podcast in the iTunes Store or in Google Play. 
This podcast is brought to you by the Construction Employers Association. Find us on the web at www.ceacisp.org.